You have to have those difficult conversations to earn any type of respect and trust. And so I think it starts with transparency. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be way past the Thanksgiving holiday, but we just celebrated it here. So excited and grateful for all of our listeners and grateful for our guests today. Today, I'm joined by Greg Adelson. He's the president and COO of Jack Henry and Associates. How are you doing today, Greg? I am doing great, Brianna. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, excited to be chatting with you. Today, we're going to chat about the four tenets of operational execution. And I'm excited to talk to you, Greg, about this, because when we had our chat, our sort of like prep call about this, it weaves into your leadership style, into sort of every aspect of what you do. And I know that a lot of people listening in are sort of looking for frameworks, right, for how to not only propel their operations career forward, but propel their team forward internally. So I'm really excited to chat with you about this. My first question is, how did you get to where you are? What was your first ops role? What was the progression of that? Yeah, sure. So I graduated with an accounting degree, and I actually went in to work with Continental Airlines back in the day on their accounting side. And I had an opportunity to get into the accounting group. And candidly, I really had an opportunity that was pretty rare for somebody my age. I started my career with 20 people working for me. Trial by fire, I quickly was having to get in and having people that were double my age and things like that and really had to figure out a method of how I would manage and lead and things like that. And fortunately, got a promotion pretty quickly into more of an operational role right after that. So I was in accounting for a couple of years and then got into more operational. And I had over 100 people working for me at 24 years old. So I started to really hone in on things that were important to me, things that I had learned from folks that I had worked for through the years and things that were important to me to make sure that I was the best leader I could be. But I also found that those leadership principles really led to better execution in our company as well. And that was really the foundation of what we're going to talk about today. So interesting. Everyone has a different path into an ops career and accounting is a really useful one. Right. <laughs> use it every day. That's right. I yeah. use it every day. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it serves you very well. So a great foundation there. And so I want to talk about these four tenants. What exactly are they? When I look at what I model my career and things, I really wanted to keep things pretty simple is what I would call simple philosophies. And so I came up with the four tenets, which we'll talk about, but I also really try to focus on a couple of other key things like leading with passion and purpose, making sure that folks understand where we're going and why we're going. Again, that will play into the four tenets. And then really trying to come up with ways to have diversity of thought from both peers and direct reports and really others in the organization. And that will play into the four tenets as well. But to answer your question, the four tenets really are focused around transparency, consistency, collaboration, and communication. I love what you said about leading with passion. I think that that is often something that people sort of just like say, but then practicing that is so different. Like everyone knows that you have to be passionate as a leader, et cetera. But what I've seen in my career and what like other people I know have seen in their careers is if you're working for someone who isn't 
passionate about what they're doing and isn't passionate about you and your career growth, it really just seeps into every aspect of your job. And it's such a negative thing. No, you're exactly right. I've worked for a lot of people through the years and had the fortunate of, of leading a lot of people as well. And just like anything in life, you improve and you look for feedback and you get that feedback. And, you know, one of the things that I've been very strong proponent of is mentorships and working either through mentorships with folks that were helping me or me helping others in the organization. But the best leaders really, it isn't about you and it never is. It's about the team that you surround yourself with and your ability to execute and accomplish the goals that you and the company have are all about the team that is supporting you. A hundred percent. So well said. So let's dig into these tenants. The first one is transparency. I think anyone listening in innately knows the value of transparency within an org. But as a leader, how much transparency do you actually practice? Why is this in there? Why is this important? Yeah, I think transparency is really the foundation of building trust. And so when folks have a conversation with you and you're willing to have the difficult conversation, so sometimes it's about not telling somebody what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And that can come with your associates that you're working with, your peers, your boss, your customers. The reality is you have to have those difficult conversations to earn any type of respect and trust. And so I think it starts with transparency as a leader. And then as you're kind of building out the things that you want to accomplish, again, going back to the operational excellence or effectiveness, you have the ability where folks are are kind of running through a wall with you and for you because they trust what you say and trust what you do and that you're not trying to lead them down a path that nobody's going to have a lot of success. You know, one of the things that we talk about with our customers regularly here at Jack Henry In fact, you know, I really didn't give much of an overview of who I work for and some of the things that we're doing here. But Jack Henry, we're a 46-year-old company. We consider ourselves a well-rounded financial technology company that's focused on strengthening connections between what we call account holders or the folks that are members and customers of banks and the financial institutions that they work for through technology and other kinds of concepts that we focus on. But the reality is, is that In our business, where we're building software and we're doing things for our customers, a lot of the things that our customers are focused on is what are we going to deliver for them? And so we came up with one of the things around transparency was building what we call six-month roadmaps. And in our company just several years ago, we've been coming out with all kinds of technology. We have over 300 products that support financial institutions. But we had created roadmaps across the organization in a very siloed approach. Nothing was consistent. Nothing was very transparent. Dates were different. Everything was just completely different. So one of the things that we put together was a six-month roadmap, and every group now operates in a very consistent manner with dates all being the same within that six-month. And our customers love it. Our prospects love it. You know, we're one of the only ones in the industry that actually follow that. But more importantly, our execution improved as well. We went from a mid-60s execution on our roadmaps to a mid-80s in the last two years as we got the focus and the metrics and the things that were tied behind that. So that's just an example of how we use transparency with our clients. That's such a great example. Transparency form at a higher level because you're showing people this is exactly what I'm promising to do. And after you promise something, you got to do it. No, you're 100% right. And one of the things I always tell my team and candidly my family is do what you say you're going to do. 
And it's really about that. So when you put yourself out there and it's in a public setting, then you're holding yourself accountable. And really everybody that's in the organization is holding themselves accountable. So you're 100% right. Yeah, that's awesome. I do want to take a break to mention that we are live recording in front of a live audience. And so if anyone has any questions for Greg throughout this conversation that's listening in live, please feel free to drop them in the chat and we're happy to answer them as they come in. So I want to move on to the next tenant, which is consistency. Why is that in there? Why does that matter? I mean, besides the obvious reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. What I focus on here when I talk about consistency is really trying to make things easier. So when you're dealing with an organization of our size, which is 7,000 associates, and we have employees in all 50 states, you know, we operate with almost 8,000 customers. So when you start to think about what we are doing and where we're going, the easier we can make it for our associates and our customers, the better. And if you think about a 46-year-old company that's made up of close to 60 acquisitions, There's a lot of silos that get formed, intentionally or unintentionally. And so what we've really tried to do is go back and break down those silos by creating like processes and establishing guidelines and standards really to allow the organization to better serve our associates and our customers. So we look at things that make sense to either build a center of excellence or a centralized approach to things like, I'll give you an example of education. In the past, each of our multiple product groups would all have ways that they would go educate our customers on their products. But those particular processes and procedures were all different. So when a customer got involved with multiple products, they would have multiple ways that that education process would take place. And it was confusing for them and frustrating in some cases. So we brought it all together. We have a centralized leader. We have centralized processes. And it's just made things a lot better. And there's a whole host of things that we've done over the last several years to really make it easier. And the other thing that we did is we created a career path for a lot of our associates that wasn't there before because they were living in in that siloed group and their ability to move up in their career was limited to the group that they were in. Now, they could move to another group in the organization, sure, but things could have been different. They would have to almost like go into a new company because they'd have to learn new processes and new procedures. Well, now that everything is standardized and we have a consistent way of doing things, their ability to move and for us to utilize people across the organization more easily is part of that byproduct. Right now, especially with remote work, is breaking down those silos because I think everyone has felt it, right? You All of a sudden, you're just talking to your team and you're not seeing the people you would normally see and collaboration gets cut down, et cetera. So yeah, I didn't think about consistency in that way. Yeah. And you're right about the remote workforce. We were almost 27% remote even before the pandemic, but we're Mm -hmm. still operating at about 80% right now. And that's by design. We've been pretty flexible on getting people back into the office. But there are some things related to culture and other opportunities that we're pretty passionate about. And so we're working on ways to really drive the culture that we want to continue to build, but also allow the flexibility for our associates to do the things that they got used to doing over the last several years and not really force folks back into the office, but try to find ways to encourage them to come back into the office for the things that you just said. 
collaboration, right? And the ability to work together and have that collaborative spirit. Those are all things that we're looking. So we're getting pretty creative in that, honestly, but we're not exactly where we want to be. It's been so interesting to see companies trying to incentivize folks to come back in. And what really fascinated me is like, when it came time for everyone to go back, I feel like the workforce just silently said no, but no one really talked about it. Like companies tried to get people to go back and it didn't really work. And then they just kind of stopped trying to stay competitive. And then everyone just like let it go sort of. And so I'm curious to see what next year is going to look like. I wonder who's going to actually say like, hey, jig is up. You got to come back, you know. And there are some that are doing that. And honestly, we've seen it. Some folks that we know very well are kind of pushing people back into the office. And candidly, they're losing folks as a result. You know, again, there's a happy medium there because companies like us that really are built and sustained by our culture, which is very unique. We win all kinds of awards. We actually were just named in Newsweek's 17th most loved place to work in America. And a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that all happened through the pandemic. And so when you look at the things that we really push and try to drive, you have to have that nice balance between ensuring people understand the value of being together versus forcing that. Yeah. And in person is just better. We all know it to be true. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. Also with consistency, it just seems like something every business attempts to maintain. But with this changing economy layoffs, how do you actually maintain it? Yeah, and I think it's kind of what I was saying earlier around the culture and making sure that we're balancing what we need as a company and desire for success, but also understanding the needs of our associates. And, you know, every company says it, but we actually mean it. Our associates Mm -hmm. come first. And so we absolutely do things and strive to find ways to creative things to get them interested in coming to the offices. And then as a byproduct of that, we've seen a few people say, you know, I haven't been coming for a few years, but I I see what you're talking about. So we're seeing more and more people coming in on their own, which is really by design. The other thing that we got to do is just get a little more creative, even with our Zoom meetings and Teams meetings Mm -hmm. and things like that. And we'll do virtual happy hours and we'll do things like that to kind of get people engaged and learning about each other because, you know, we're still a growing company. And so Mm -hmm. we have a lot of new associates to come in. So if you want them to really experience the culture that I'm talking about, they can't experience that holistically on a Zoom call. They just can't. Yeah, you really can't. And the more you care about another person, the more hard you're going to work with them and for them and collaborate with them. So. You got to get to know him personally. Well, you know, for sure. I love what you said there because I actually talked about this the other day in a strategy meeting that when you're in the office and you're talking to somebody and you said, hey, I'm going to get that to you by Tuesday. When you're seeing them every day, you're going to get it mm-hmm. to them by Tuesday. Yeah. Because you know you're going to see them. When it's on that Zoom call, 
yeah, you're going to still strive, but it's not the same kind of result when they got to talk to you on a Zoom call versus talk to you in person. And and I think you're 100% right that folks tend to want to do more for that individual when they know they got to see them all the time. Oh, yeah. And when they like them and when they know them. Exactly. So true. Okay, so our third tenant here, collaboration, which we kind of touched on a little bit, but how do you practice it? Yeah, we do it very intentionally. We bring groups together. Really, we look at at solving problems. Again, we tried to do it even via Zoom and Teams meetings, but we intentionally bring diverse groups together to talk about things that we want to solve. We have what we call business innovation groups here where we bring things related to remote workforce, LGBTQIA. We have groups that we call a green group that are focused on driving green initiatives for our company. We have women's group that's focused on driving women up in the organization and looking for ways to continue to drive that. So we have six and we're getting ready to start a seventh business innovation group. But those are very collaborative groups and we've tasked them with things that we as a leadership team want to get their input in. We've done that. We've also been pretty creative with creating what this program that we kind of started a few years ago called One Jack Henry. And it's really about building that consistency and ease of work across the organization, Mm -hmm. but looking more like one company instead of a bunch of siloed groups. So we have 40, 50 folks that are tied to that as well. And they work and they're very collaborative in their approach. That's so smart to actually name an initiative that's essentially made to break down silos. That's so smart because when you have all these acquisitions, you're essentially just like bringing separate companies together. So the fact that you created that is genius. Well, I appreciate that. But it is all about getting people behind the program and using these tenants to drive the program that we are doing. And and the tenants have helped us really move the, you know, 7,000 people. Yeah, it's not the, the biggest company in America, but it's a pretty good size to move when you're talking about a 46-year-old business. And, yep. and candidly, well, we get enough of uh, folks that want to be evangelists for what we're doing, and they're getting behind it. And that's mm-hmm. really what's helping us move the needle. Yeah, makes total sense. All right. So, Last tenant we're here to talk about is communication. So what's the relevance there? Yeah, I mean, communication is really what brings it all together, right? It's the ability to share the vision, the strategy, the goals, what metrics that we want to hold each other accountable for. It creates a lot of connectivity and engagement. It really creates a continuous feedback loop for us as well. So we do things like monthly all hands calls where we bring all of the leaders, you know, they have their own groups and they'll bring them all in person or on a virtual to listen to what's kind of really going on across the company. We have a very mm-hmm. consistent format for each group to do that. We have manager forums where we get all the managers on. We do the town halls. We do videos. We do a ton of videos, updates because people get tired of reading emails. And it gives a lot of personalization for the folks that are doing the videos. And we'll really target the communication that we want to do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we do other things like weekly staff calls and one-on-ones and skip a levels and surveys and all that kind of stuff. But when you think about it, it's really about creating the medium, whatever that medium is, mm-hmm. and being very repetitive and intentional on what you're telling folks mm-hmm. because – We've learned through the years, and actually I talked to the person that led 
a program at Disney called One Disney. Hmm. And they basically said, you got to communicate to the point where it sounds like babble. Yeah. And when it sounds like babble, that's when you're finally getting it through. That makes a ton of sense because sometimes you think people are getting tired of hearing what you're saying. But as we all know, we all hear and learn at different paces. And so you got to keep the message consistent. Yeah. As somebody who works in marketing, as somebody who runs a community, I know better than anyone. I've learned the hard way. Repetition, repetition, repetition. I say the same thing to the same people so many times before I know that it actually sunk in. And some people get it the first time and they're like, I don't want to hear this anymore. But it's like, that's fine. I need to make sure the last person is going to get it. So I'm going to say it 10 more times until they hear me. You got it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's funny, but the folks that really want to get it, they get it. And the ones that are going to kind of shuffle their feet a little bit, you got to keep saying it. Yeah, you got to treat it like a family, right? Everyone's involved. Everyone learns differently. You got to make sure everyone's getting on the same information, even if it doesn't come at the same speed or whatever. Well, the other thing is, and we've had this with various questions from our associates, is that is this program going to continue? And I said the program's never going to end. One Jack Henry is an evolution. We're never going to be satisfied because we're never going to be able to get exactly what we want. And and right. I think the more that they know that this is something that's going to be around for a while, because a lot of people that you know want to shuffle their feet, it's because they think it's going to die. And if they realize that it's going to die, they're not going to put their effort into it. But when they realize it's not going away, they start to put their effort into it. Very well said. How do you apply these tenants to your personal life? And do you apply them to your personal life? Yeah, well, you said it. Treat it like a family, right? So now there's a lot of this. I I would probably say that it's more transparency and communication than the other two. But I'm a very direct person. I've always have been. I got a dad from New York, so you learn to be pretty pretty direct, right? But, you know, I think what happens is, is it's kind of what you said. I kind of get to the point where I repeat myself several times Mm -hmm. because I don't feel somebody's getting it, especially my kids. I have two boys that are in their 20s, both in college, but they're both athletes. And so I would say the other part of, especially on the consistency side, I really have always preached the value of building a consistent process in what they do. One was a really good basketball player and the other one's a baseball player now. Hmm. And so I always talk about doing things the same way. Because if you practice them that way, when you get in the game, everything was much easier, right? So that's pretty common. And so they kind of get that. And then I think the part of collaboration, especially in team sports, is huge. And candidly, I played college sport. And so I was always a person that was really driven by being part of a team and driving team leadership through collaboration. The old adage is we over me. And that's something that I really preach at home with the kids. And again, they're good at that, too. But that's probably where I use it the most. That's awesome. And even just to consistently play one sport until you get to the college level is difficult, right? So kudos for the parenting there. Yeah, I love that. So we have to know what sport you played. So I played tennis in college and my one son, it plays baseball in college. The other one, he could have played basketball, but he elected to go to a bigger school and he's on the scout team for that particular school. Awesome. Good for him. Last question for you. And if anyone has any questions for Greg, now would be the time to drop them in the chat. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? The two social medias that I'm on the most are LinkedIn and Twitter. They're both 
Greg underscore Adelson, A-D-E-L-S-O-N. And so you can find me there. And also, if you want to just send me an email, it's pretty easy, gadelson at jackhenry.com. I'll be glad to address any questions any of those ways. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been really fun chatting with you and learning about this process. And, yeah, excited to take some of these skills and apply them to my own role in life. So thank you. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you having me on as well. So happy holidays to you and to all of your listeners. Happy holidays, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 